Do you struggle with what it means to be successful in your retirement? Trust us, you're not alone. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Here, you'll go in-depth with Guidance Point Advisors Investment Consultants to hear stories about how retirees in Maine are navigating a successful retirement. Get insight into the inevitable challenges of aging and define what a successful retirement looks like. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. My name is Ben Smith, and allow me to introduce the Whale Watch to my whitewater rafting, Curtis Worcester. How are you doing today, Curtis? All right. I'm doing well, Ben. I'm doing well. I didn't know where you were going with the Whale Watch, but that was good. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's Maine. It's summer. You know, people doing stuff outside. It's That's like, right. Yeah, I was just uh, flying back from D.C. and the gentleman was like, I'm going on a whale watch. It's like, I hope you brought your winter jacket because, man, <laughs> is it cold out on that water. That's right. Looking for whales. That's right. So, well, I, I know summer and one of the things we've been talking, we've been doing lots of topics here on our show mm-hmm. uh, recently. And, and one thing that we kind of run into with our clients a bit is, you know, whether it be a client gets divorced, uh, maybe they've lost their spouse and they're, they're a widow, but then they, they find another, another partner. And, and the question is, how do I merge my family and my kind of all, all the generations of my family over to somebody else's generations? And the term is called blending families. That's right. So that was the topic that we, we were kind of seeing here recently. So a blended family, let's define that as one where the parents have children from previous relationships, but all the members come together as one unit. So again, we I just described a, a client having that situation, but what what are the statistics saying? Roughly 17% of people remarry after a divorce or death of their first spouse, according to the Census Bureau. Mm. And while the rate of remarriage has dropped over time for most age groups, it's actually ballooned among the 55 and older group, up to 57% in 2013. Mm. I know sometimes these these, uh, census is a little bit dated, (laughs) but that's compared to 42% in 1960. So adults who remarry later in life are more likely to bring significant assets to their u- new union in the form of retirement savings, brokerage accounts, life insurance policy, and real estates, right? So that's this is a group where, you know, we've they're typically been saving their whole life. And yeah. now you have a kind of this level of wealth that can come into play as well. Mm-hmm. So as blended families become increasingly common, the definition of blended family is also changing. Yeah. So understanding the basics of a blended family can be essential for ensuring your family can embrace its strengths and also work through its differences. Later age blended families may experience difficulty in terms of marital support, medical decisions, and other complex issues such as conflicting roles of family members when children are different ages, such as when one uh, an older child of one parent becomes the eldest and the younger children of the other family must readjust to a new position, Mm. conflicting family values and responsibilities of each family member with regard to appropriate behavior, expectations, and other responsibilities, Mm -hmm. social etiquette difficulties between the non-involved biological parent and the new step parent and which one is acting as which type of role model. That's, that's a tough one. Yeah. Stress on the biological parents when balancing the needs of their children and the new partner, particularly where values may conflict. 
and also communication issues regarding how to integrate the family. So many blended families successfully overcome these difficulties and become strong, supportive family units for each member. But how? So that's the topic of today's show. That's right. And, you know, Ben, and I I know our listeners are tired, probably tired of hearing me say this, but we are not the experts on every topic we talk about. So naturally, we have to reach out and find an expert here. So so our guest today um, offers family and relationship coaching services as the founder of Talk to Nicole specializing in blended family dynamics talk talk to nicole helps clients to achieve you know the life they want by building strong relationships and planning for a brighter future she is the author of multiple books including blended to perfection dating made simple for women and the international bestsellers moms who boss up post pandemic and cracking the rich code volume 7 So our guest today also holds a Bachelor in Business Administration from Strayer University, a Master's Degree in Human Services, Human Resource Management from Lincoln University of Pennsylvania, and she is currently in the process of earning her doctoral degree from Breyer State. So as a lifelong learner dedicated to continued professional and personal growth, she strives to continue innovating and developing new success strategies for herself and her clients eager to see the better tomorrow they will build together. So at this time, please welcome Nicole Odom Hardnett to the Retirement Success in Maine podcast. Nicole, thank you so much for coming on our show today. Thank you, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here. That was a wonderful introduction. I really appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> well, you know, Nicole, as Curtis said, we're not really the experts in in lots of things. That's right. We we're lifelong learners ourselves, and and I think we we care so much about our clients that we want to help them wherever we can. Yep. So thinking this idea, this concept of blending families, is just not something where you know we've gone through, and we want to kind of uh, learn from the master out here of That's what right. what the what to know, what pitfalls to avoid. And and every time I think of blending families, I just can think of the blender and pressing a puree button, I guess is what I'm, (laughs) which I I can't imagine is a great strategy of just hitting puree and and getting to where you need to go. So, so Nicole, I want to, want to dig in because the first thing we want to do is get to know you a little bit here, right? Is is we want to get to know you and kind of your expertise. So I'd love to, and I was reading that you were born into a career military family in Fort Mm -hmm. Lee, Virginia. Yes. And that your childhood was spent in Europe as well as the U.S. Yes. So my, my question is, how did your childhood experience influence your path towards business ownership today? You know, my childhood... So business ownership came in, not overseas at all. It came in because I lived for a period of time with my great aunt and uncle. And my uncle was a somewhat of a businessman, meaning he sold cigarettes and things out of the house and anything else that he could sell out of the home. So that was the business experience that I received. So I helped him by collecting the money and putting the money away. So that was the only business experience that I saw firsthand was Mm -hmm. that when I was probably about five, Mm -hmm. between five and seven years old. Um, Other than that, my mom, she worked as a civilian for the government. And my dad, he was in the army. Okay. 
Very cool. All right. So <laughs> that's, it's, I just, I love hearing the, that first question, right? All of our shows, we have obviously these topics, but I, I think one of my favorites is learning about, you know, our guests and, and their childhood and upbringing. But I want to kind of keep going here and, and talk about blended families, but I want to talk about your own blended family for a minute, right? So what was your path towards your current spouse and how did the blending of your families kind of influence and uh, influence your need to counsel others on that experience? So my husband, he had five children coming into our marriage and I had two um, so he has three girls and two boys, mm-hmm. and they range from age when we got together from was 13 to very early 20s. Okay. And then when my kids were seven to the oldest was 14, I have two boys. Okay. So when we got together, we just put them all together. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So in, in how did, in terms of how did that go when you, you know, said obviously putting them together, right. And you obviously were seeing, Hey, we're having some difficulties in getting all these personalities to blend and match and figure out their roles. And the eldest, your eldest is now the youngest, uh, one of the youngest of the, of the brood, right? So the kids and their personalities, they meshed pretty well. As a matter of fact, my oldest son and now my middle daughter, they got along extremely well because they had some of the same, even though we didn't live too much in the same area, but at some point we were in the same area. Mm -hmm. So they had the same Mm -hmm. friends. Gotcha. So Mm -hmm. they got along well. My youngest daughter and the youngest son, even though they're three years apart, they they clicked very well. So we didn't have an issue with the children. So that wasn't our issue at all. So the personalities with the kids were like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so that part went really smooth. Um, everyone communicated. Everyone they watched movies together. We went on family vacations. All of that was fine. Where the issues came in was the adults didn't play nice together. Okay. That was, that was our issue. Okay. And yeah. which is typical with a lot of my clients. <laughs> you so, know, so I, talk- I see, I see the, the kid issue quite a bit, but the adult issue is a whole nother beast. So can you talk about that then? What what were you experiencing in that blending of, of your families? What what were the adult issues that you were seeing that you're then creating this, hey, I'm experiencing these issues and trying to work through them with all the other adults in, in our relationship and, and biological parents and step-parents and trying to get those roles aligned. How did that influence then what you're maybe counseling other people to do in today's work? The adult issues that, that take place in, that took place in, in my relationship and some others that I deal with is that you have either in mind, you have one person that is, they know the relationship is over, hmm. but they have some sort of baggage. Either they're missing um, someone taking care of them, um, meaning their, their former spouse taking care of them or some jealousy, like this person has my life now or whatever else. And instead of them feeling all of this anger, or jealousy or hatred, 
into their therapist, they're giving this energy and all these emotions to their child. And either it's multiple children and one of the child, one of the children or the child feeds into it and they feel sorry for, for mommy and, and them feeling sorry for mommy, they take mommy's side and, and then that pushes daddy away. And then that causes friction between daddy and child now. And that creates drama inside of the household with new wife or, you know, other spouse or whomever. Mm -hmm. And then that's when some turmoil comes around and it could spill over into other children. And that's when you get this whole separation or divide and Sometimes it can go into other children and then you have to clean that up. But that's when therapy kind of can help. Sometimes it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Things can get worse before they get better. But in my situation, things got a little worse before they got better. But it, 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 it takes a lot of communication with the new couple. It takes a lot of patience. And when I say a lot, meaning years, (laughs) it's not an overnight fix. So if you're thinking something's going to happen in three to six months, probably not. In my Mm. case, it it took more along the lines of a year, year and a half um, before this whole situation, you know, kind of resolved. And I know we're going to dig into a little bit more specifics there, Nicole, with you today. And I know we want to dig into now the identifying the problem, but then let's, let's talk about possible solutions and, and where, what resources we, we might need to help us kind of find Mm -hmm. resolutions. We're going to, we're going to go into that, but Mm -hmm. I want to ask another question about you, because I know you have a couple of businesses, Mm -hmm. right? One is focus point behavioral health, which you're in the process of franchising. Correct. And you, you also bridge community and organizational needs for behavioral health agencies, ensuring acceptable, exceptional quality service. And you have talked to Nicole, how have you juggled managing both of these business together? Cause I could see where, you know, that you, you have kind of the, the kind of the personal side, but also the kind of the behavioral health franchising that you're doing. How do you, how do you juggle those both? Well, you know, honestly, they, they kind of go hand in hand, even though I don't commingle the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so Focus Point Behavioral Health, I have an extraordinary staff. So I'm on calls quite often. As a matter of fact, I just had a call with my clinical director a few minutes ago before I came on and to go over our meeting that we're going to have after I get off this call today. <laughs> so I have a meeting with uh, my clinical meeting later on um, today. And we'll go over everything that's going on for the week and last week. And so we'll talk about all of that. So I'm very involved with what's going on, even though I'm not on the ground there because my business is in Maryland and I I reside in Texas, which is where I am right now. So I know exactly what's going on because I speak to my clinical director. Sometimes it can be three times a day, depending on what's going on. Sometimes it may not be at all during the day, but we're in contact all the time. Now, with the talk to Nicole, I'm on podcasts be three, four times a week. It may not be (laughs) at all during the week. But then I talk to a client, you know, it could be one or two. It it, it all depends on my schedule. So I try to balance out my my schedule between, you know, focus point, talk to Nicole, family, Mm -hmm. you know, but also giving me some me time also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, so it certainly sounds like you're, uh, you know, you're keeping yourself busy there with the two organizations and there, you know, it, it's a wonderful, both are wonderful things that you're doing. I want to kind of dig in here a little more into now kind of the core topic, which is uh, obviously blended families. So in our kind of intro, um, we talked about kind of briefly what a blended family is. Can you just take a minute and give us like, right, you're the expert here. So can you just define for us what a blended family is and then kind of maybe what a blended family isn't as well? I think there's kind of two sides to that definition. You know, in Ben's definition, he hit it right on the on the head, you know, when someone from a previous, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a marriage, Hmm. um, a previous relationship has a child, they're no longer in that relationship, and they go into a new relationship. And now you have, you've brought that child with you. Hmm. And now the person that you're going into the new relationship with, they don't necessarily have to have a child. So that person could be seen. So now you are still blended. Sure. Yeah. But typically you look for someone to have a child that is also been separated from their, I guess their biological parent. Mm -hmm. And now they're bringing over a, a child to a new relationship. And then you have two kids from different parents and they're all together. Yeah. So that's, typically blended or bonus family living. Gotcha. gotcha. So Nicole, one episode 27. So way back in our library, we're <laughs> on episode, I think 69 today. So we talked to a, a communication leadership expert, uh, Amy K Hutchins about mastering communication to get what we want in retirement. So question we have for you is what are some communication tips you would give couples with blended families on finding a middle ground on how they can create norms in their relationship. What are some things that you, so we can talk about to say, Hey, how do we, again, we're, if such where there's arguments or conflict, how, how can we work to address and then find resolution using some communication tips? How do we create norms with communication? Mm. So I guess I guess the question is how do I find middle ground in conflicts of blended families? What are some ways that we can talk through them or how do I address them because I know I, just even me sometimes it's just it it feels awkward to bring something up, right? Is even if it's uh if it's conflict uh, maybe between me and my spouse, if I'm seeing like hey, I'm there's an issue with maybe a biological parent that okay. um, or an old relationship. And I, I need to say something to them because it's, there's something hurting our blended families. What are some things or, or situations that we're, we see and how can we communicate through them? Are you talking about in reference to the other child of like my husband's children or. Yeah. Let, let me give you an example. I just want to so make say, sure I'm, I'm understanding because yep. I, I'm all about on honesty. Um, yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm blunt, but, but not I'm direct, but not is I'm, I'm thinking I understand what you're talking about, but I just want yeah, to make so, sure. So I, guess, I guess that's the thing is like, so when there's conflict and issues, what are the best ways to address them? So I guess what you're saying is, Hey, if I'm having an issue with, um, you know, yeah, with, with say, these are not my children, uh, obviously they are now in the family, mm-hmm. but they're not my biological children. Mm-hmm. 
what are some ways or what are some kind of thought processes we can have about communicating these, these issues to get through them? Oh, you have to be direct. You have to, you have to talk about the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. No, no matter what you, because if not, you're going to hold it in and it's going to hurt the relationship because you're holding it in. In my relationship, we had to talk about all the good, the bad, and the ugly. When we started living together, there are going, or anyone, when you start living together in a blended family, there are going to be things that you are not going to like about your spouse's kids because you didn't raise them. Someone else did. (laughs) Point blank, period. I never lived with girls. I don't have sisters. He had three girls. I had to live with three girls. I, you know, I don't know what that's like. I have brothers. So I, you know, I am not, I'm a girly girl, but not. Um, but I was raised by older women and they taught me things that girls should do and what girls should not do. In my situation, he raised his daughters. So they were raised by man. So they did not know things that I knew growing up as a young girl. So I saw things that I'm like, mm, they should know this, but no, they don't because they had a mom there, but mom didn't show what I thought she should have shown, mm-hmm. but that's not their fault. Right. So you have to talk about those things. And I was there for my kids. Their dads were there. My ex-husband was there, but not. (laughs) I wanted, in our communication while we were dating, I said, I want someone that is going to help me raise my boys into men. That was our dialogue. His other end was the same. He wanted someone to help him raise his girls into women. That was our communication. Mm -hmm. So with that, knowing that in our relationship going in, we had to own up to that. And so we talked in the bed at night. That was our pillow talk. Okay. Well, your girls are doing this. Well, your boys are doing that. Okay. What are you going to do about it? (laughs) So we had to have those honest conversations. Things were ticking me off. Things were ticking him off. I was yelling at my boys. Okay. Well, you can't yell at them because it's just going in one ear and out the other. This is what you need to do. You take away, you leave the TV on the wall, but you take away the cord, you unplug it. That's the punishment. That's how they learn. Yeah. You know, that's the communication. Yeah, no, I, I like that. And that, you know, I think the core and it's what you led with is just talking about that elephant in the room and getting it out mm-hmm. there. And then, and then you work to whether it's in different ways of communicating, but you work towards that solution. So I think that was a really good answer. Um, and it kind of teed up my next question for you. So my question is going to ask specifically about, um, older age couples and they're maybe more adult children, but I think it's something you can probably pull from your experience doing it as well. So I guess the question is so we have an older age couple they're now in a relationship whether it's an engagement marriage right they have this joint they're deciding to continue their lives together um they each have adult children maybe grandkids are in the picture so how what would you say to someone who wants to start communicating that to those adult children and grandkids that hey like our families are now merging we're starting this new life as a blended family like can you just kind of talk about how 
that communication can go and what you've seen work and what doesn't work? You know, I've only had one situation like this. And the only reason why it was an issue for the family is because the woman chose a younger man. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was the only reason why it was an issue. And so it became an issue because the individuals did not take the younger man seriously. Yeah. They kind of walked all over them. Some people, some of the individuals understood that the woman wanted companionship. And they, they just understood the relationship and she loved the person just like he was, you know, her age. Um, I think it was like a 15 year difference in age, but the problem was, is that the gentleman was, you know, somewhat close to the age of the oldest child gotcha, or something, yeah. <laughs> something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so that's the only experience that I've had with the older age individuals. Mm -hmm. So even, I guess, even so outside of just the older age couples there, so even in your own experience, right, you, I know you mentioned um, a couple of your children had kind of mutual friends and stuff, so it went smoothly, but just kind of that conversation of like, how does that go of like, hey, you know, mom and so-and-so are, are moving in together or we're getting married and you're going to have new siblings. Like, how do you see, like, is there a, a a golden ticket way to kind of go about that? Or is it just kind of a, you see, you know, obviously I'm sure it depends on the children and their personalities, but what can you kind of share there? It does depend a lot on their personalities. I don't think it should be pushed on the kids. Mm -hmm. The way we did it was we had dinner yeah, and we had dinner together. Then we went bowling. We did some other activities. I think he had a housewarming um, at his new place. And then the kids' friends came over and I think I was invited to one of the kids' fashion shows. Mm -hmm. So we had events and different things together before we moved in together. We didn't just, ah, we're moving in together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't one of those things. Um, so we had several events and different times together, social gatherings and things of that nature where the kids were involved, their friends were involved. It was, it was a whole lot of stuff going on prior to us, you know, moving in together. And also prior to us saying that we were dating our boyfriend and girlfriend mm -hmm. or even getting married. So it was, it was just a lot beforehand. Yeah. And I let my boys kind of know what was going on almost at every phase um, when I was, even before I was thinking about us moving in together, I, I posed that idea. Mm -hmm. I, I, I am a big communicator because, you know, I just wanted to know how they would feel about that. Yeah. Now on his end, he didn't do that so much. And he was wishing that he had of, even though with, Two of the youngest two of the girls, it wasn't much of a problem. They were like easy to, to go along with. Mm -hmm. The oldest one was the one that was more on the side of her mom, which was understood. Sure. But the I think the communication with the kids, because they're involved, their lives change with this whole process. They're involved with this whole <laughs> process. Yeah. They should yeah. kind of know. It's not... Like you're talking to them like an adult, but they should know, hey, you know, this might happen. How are you feeling? Mm -hmm. You know, so 
Nicole, I think you you answered that really well, and and I and that that actually was a whole chain of questions which you you kind of nailed really well. So I want to ask them the opposite side here. Okay. So you talked about hey, here's things that we we did, and I think it it really started building momentum of getting positive relationships in uh, in the family and allowing each of them to discover the relationship with with the the new members, the new roles and responsibilities. What are some things you've seen in your practice of things not to do what are some situations that hey we blended our families and we've probably done this in not the best way so what are you've seen for examples of things that people maybe should think twice about when putting their families into introductory situations oh my gosh okay you're dating someone no the kids don't know that you're even dating or they may have met the person one time and then all of a sudden you move in, the kids come over and you're like, oh, this is such and such. And now you're moving in with Miss such and such and you're expected to get along. And then Miss such and such kids come and now you're all going out to, to dinner or to lunch and nobody says anything. And then you're ticked off because no one's talking and no one's getting along and you're wondering mm. what's going on and why. But you've okay. never introduced anyone or maybe they've met one time and you come back the second time and you're like, OK, well, they met before. <laughs> you're like, OK, like they've seen each other before. They should they should know each other by now. Everything should be OK. Like, No, they don't know each other. They don't know anything about each other. And it's like, it doesn't work like that. People don't connect that way. You've never said anything about it other than you're dating someone and now they live with this person and they may know that they have one or two kids. And, you know, so it's not, it's not fair. It's not reasonable to think that it's going to be a big kumbaya already. So I've, I've seen, I've had that happen and that doesn't work. And then so, you, you, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so it's just kind of, kind of what I'm hearing you say, Nicole, is it sounds like communicating where we are in the process throughout to the stakeholders, right? Whether it be kids, adult kids, because um, I can see where even adult kids that, hey, I have an adult child. And even though they're not in the house anymore, they want to kind of reaffirm their role in the family and that if if they're not being checked in with and even communicated on, hey, here's what's happening in my life and here's how it might impact you, you could also see where noses might get at a joint there from they, they just don't feel heard. They don't feel respected or valued mm-hmm. in the family and that that, that happens a lot. Um, so in kind of, so the non-communicating part is, Hey, all of a sudden people then go, we went, it feels to me, we went from zero to 60 and all of a sudden I didn't even get heard. I didn't get respected. I didn't get valued. I just got thrown into this situation is that I went puree on the, on the blender on me and I have to go along for the ride. So my question then back is, so say, say your situation where you just said is, Hey, we went to dinner. I didn't even tell anybody that we're blending. I didn't. I just said, "Hey, we met, and it's all good, and we're moving in." Surprise! <laughs> so I could see where all of a sudden that might create lots of animosity and mm-hmm. people getting upset. So let's say we are in that situation. We have people that are not in a good place. 
and I'm sure that's the point where Nicole, maybe they come talk to you in your practice mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I've maybe made some mistakes here and people are really upset. And I'm concerned about the path we're on for the blending of our family. How do we get people back on track after maybe a bad introduction or a bad start? Right. So, you know, that that's where the cleanup comes in because, you know, everyone is, you know, angry pretty much, or they're, you know, feeling however they're feeling. And so we have to kind of peel back the layers and see what's going on, what happened. So then I have to take it from, okay, how did this happen? Where did, where did we start? Mm-hmm. How did we get here? So we peel everything back and start off from square one and, and take baby steps and try to fix it, whatever that looks like, okay. yeah. you know, for them. Yeah, no, yeah. that that makes sense. Um, so in continuing on this theme of, you know, maybe things not going well or experiencing difficulty. So an area we've heard um, from some clients where they've experienced difficulty blending their families, um, it's something Ben touched on in the intro, right? It's these conflicting family values or, you know, not knowing the roles of each family member with regards to responsibilities, appropriate behavior, right? The list could kind of go on there. You know, you have an, an example there is, you know, maybe in my family, we, we joke with each other a lot, right? And they may be jokes mm-hmm. that someone else may think is hurtful, right? And mm-hmm. you're sitting at that mm-hmm. dinner table for the first time. And, you know, for me as a child, it's comfortable to crack a joke about Billy's shoes or whatever it is. And, you know, that may be just completely not appropriate to Billy and and his family that's now become one family. So so what are some tips and tricks, you know, that that you could share to kind of work through issues like this? You know, and I, I think that's where the parents come into play. If the parents don't have really good communication and they don't know their children, they can't explain to the new parents and the their new children, sure. each other's kids or the situ- situations when they're hopefully all sitting down at dinner yeah. to say, hey, you know, Sharon is just joking. This is how she communicates. This is how she, you know, breaks the ice or this is how she whatever mm-hmm. because you have to know your kids like both of my boys have ADHD <laughs> you know so they do very outlandish things sometimes sometimes they're just off in their own world my husband has ADHD so this our house was crazy <laughs> mm-hmm. you know um now we have kids that would do, they would leave their keys in the door. So I was forever checking behind everyone to see what was going on, to make sure lights were turned out at night, to make sure this or whatever, whatever. You have to know, it's getting to learn everyone's personality because yeah. no, yeah. none of them are going to be the same. You have some that talk more than others. You have some that eat more than others. You have some that don't like this type of food, that like that type of food. It's a big deal when you are blending families, getting to know the likes, the dislikes, the this, that, the whatever of every person, all their nuances in this new situation that you're in. And it's not an overnight 
process because as their hormones change, especially if they come in young, as their hormones change, they turn into different people. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, and if you come in when they're like 12, they're like there, but then they're not there. There's somebody else in another six months. Then in another six months, they turn into someone else. So it's going through that process with them. It's, it's, it's very, it can be very traumatic for some people. And I know Nicole, one thing that we've talked about in just as we're doing introductions before was you have an added wrinkle to your own blended family around potentially transitioning a family business. So we had a conversation on episode four of our show where we had a, a third generation owner of a family business in, in the state of Maine, Susan Ware Page, who's talking about the, the difficulties about finding the right person in the next generation to carry on. And and what if all of a sudden it was a good idea, but then maybe they're not the right person. And it, it was it. Susan's done as a third generation. I think she's only one of 3% of businesses that have actually made it to the third generation. So she had a lot of wealth of information there. So I want to talk to you about that, but then added is the blended family perspective, right? Because here you have maybe a potential another generation of, of kids that can step in and there might be unique considerations. So what are some things that are maybe unique to that, that situation around business transition and uh, transitions there uh, that you can share with us? You know, we, so we have seven. So, you know, focus point solutions or focus point behavioral health, you know, we're looking for someone to carry on the torch and, you know, we, I thought that we had someone, but working with that child for a little while, like, no, not quite. We, he doesn't quite have the work ethic. So we're looking at another one and we're like, mm, I don't know <laughs> if, this one, if this one has it or not. So we're trying to pull from these seven to just find one of them that can, you know, carry this torch on. And I'm like, maybe we have to wait for the grandbaby to carry it on. So we're looking for someone that can, you know, carry this business on. So we don't have to look outside <laughs> somewhere. And like we have enough, you know, Indians in this in this camp. Somebody should be able to carry this on. So it just doesn't, you know, die you know, in, in the midst of everything, but, you know, so far I have a niece that we have put in this succession plan to hold it down. God forbid anything happens to me or my husband uh, for right now, but we were hoping that it would be one of the kids. And that's something Susan was kind of saying in our conversation was, Hey, it's, um, in, it, it's just, sometimes it's like when they're 12, how do you really know if they're going to be the right personality or not versus, right. Hey, 18, as you said, about people, people change completely who they are, what they want to be, what they want to do. And Susan herself went to go work for Exxon Mobil for a few years before she went to, cause she says, I'm going to go work for big business. And I want to see how they do things. And I don't really want to be in the the local business until her dad said, 
you know, Susan, I think it's time for you to come back. And it took mm-hmm. her to go away and see what the rest of the world was like before she could eventually come back to even know what she was saying yes to. And I, I think that's that's something that's interesting as you're kind of describing that, Nicole, is it's just I, I think we maybe sometimes need a little world experience. Sometimes we need to get kicked in the shin a little bit um, mm-hmm. to realize what work ethic really is and what it isn't. And, uh, and I think those are just maturation lessons that we kind of all have to go through. And it's just, um, it's just tough. Cause I think as, uh, as that generation waiting for it and being patient is waiting for, it. is this, am I patient? And then all of a sudden it doesn't turn into anything. And then I have to be left with less options. Those are, those are just some unique things. And again, from, a from a blending of families, I'm sure that's even more difficult. So appreciate you sharing that with us. So I want to keep going. I think another piece, or I think an important piece of this blended family conversation is I know Ben teased it in the intro again, is these assets, right? And I think a a big asset for everyone is real estate. So I know specifically here in the state of Maine, it feels like everyone has their house, they have their camp, they have their, maybe they have a camper too, right? We have all these memories kind of built around, you know, whether it's the childhood home or it's the camp that you always used to go to in the summer. So when you're blending in families, right, then I think there's a decision for these, for the new spouses, right? Which house are we going to live in? Do we get a new house? Do we sell your house? Do we sell my house? Do we get rid of the camp? The kids love the camp. The grandkids love the camp, right? So there's just so much around Mm. real estate here. So And then you could even go another element in in terms of legality. And if you're from different states, can I still own a home in this state if I don't live here six months? Are there different tax rules, right? There's all kinds going on around real estate. So I guess, can you just kind of share kind of how you've experienced or, or if you've helped counsel people through that process of how do you decide where to live? And then again, back to this, I think the key word today is communication, right? How do you then communicate to the kids or the grandkids that their childhood bedroom or their favorite summer vacation spot isn't going to be in the family anymore? Like, can you just kind of give us what, what you got there for information or tips and experiences? Well, you know, when the client asks me, you know, about a home, I don't, I wouldn't expect anyone to do what I wouldn't do. My, my husband, he owned a home that he lived in with his ex-wife when we got together. And he asked me to come live in that home with him when we got together. And I told him, oh, no way, not doing that. (laughs) Because what I could see is her coming to the house and knocking on the door and acting, acting as if she still you know, residing in the house and taking over and, you know, making rules and things. And I'm not going to have that. Mm -hmm. I'm a grown woman. I've always been independent. And when women ask me those type of things, would I, they ask me the question, would you, Mm -hmm. I was saying, I didn't, I give them my honest answer. If they ask me, would you, or did you move into your own, the home, with a separate house or a new home together, if you can, so you're on neutral turf, I would definitely advise that if you can do that financially, mm-hmm. whether you're renting or you're owning, I would say that. So there you're on neutral ground. That is not his home. That is not your home. It belongs to the both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Unless for financial reasons, you have to stay in a home that he owns or you own 
or was there before, you know, either one of you for yeah. financial reasons, then you, that's what you do. Right. But if it can be avoided, go neutral. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, you know, I, I this is obviously something I've never experienced, but I think even just asking you the question and, and like hearing myself say it out loud, I think that makes sense, right? You're, and I think it helps emphasize too, it's you're, you are all a new family now and it's, you have your right. own places, your own new memories. And so, no, I appreciate you sharing that with us because I, I think that's something that I know in the state of Maine, it comes up a lot because people, it's very common to have multiple homes and, and then just the, hu- right. the humanity of, of memories. And, and that's just, you know, I think it could lead to difficult situations, but I, I, it, it, it does lead to a lot of difficult situations, especially when you when you have so many of those jealous spouses. And it's not only women, mm. it's men, too, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know, are very territorial. Um, and they were like, well, you know, we used to cook in the kitchen together and we did this in the bedroom together or this in the shower together. <laughs> you know that a lot of that always comes up. And they say, this is still my house. And, you know, they don't live there anymore. They may not be paying the mortgage anymore. Or maybe because of their situation, maybe they still are. I don't know. Right. But a lot of that still comes, it still comes up and then it becomes a problem. And then you may end up moving anyway. And, but Mm. then now you have to take everybody with you. So Nicole, I want to, want to talk to you about, this is a trickier topic about estate planning, right? So, so here I am, I'm a part of a blended family. And so me and my spouse both have different sets of biological children, for example, or grandchildren maybe is so we both worked hard. We've saved, we've, we want to provide for ourselves for the rest of our lives. And if something happens where maybe I pass away, obviously we want to take care of each other. Right. But, but there's the difficulty of, so Nicole, if we're we're married and all of a sudden then I pass, my assets might go to your name, right? But if you then pass next, your estate plans might be so that you are taking care of maybe your biological children and then their biological children as well. But what about my biological children here? Right. Nice. So I I've we've Curtis and I've seen enough situations in our team where mm-hmm. Hey, we got to be very careful and mindful about, hey, here's the assets and we want them to flow a certain way because, Nicole, yes, if I pass away, I want to take care of you and vice versa because we're in this relationship together. But we might have different ideas of how the money should flow or may want to flow after that fact. How have you helped people guide through that or how have you thought through that in terms of how you structured things in, in your family? You know, so we have financial things set up for the kids. Like I have policies for all the kids, mm-hmm. not just, just, just mine, all seven of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have coverage for everyone. He has coverage for everyone. So we have talked about all of, all of the kids as a whole. So it's not his kids, my kids, and what happens. Mm -hmm. So everyone is is covered in our situation, no matter what happens to either one of us. So that is something that we have definitely talked about. Now, as far as my my clients, you know, I I don't think I've ever had anyone ask me that, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. 
Because yeah. I would say this, this kind of obviously Curtis and I are say we're setting up um, something in, and I'm going to ask the question about IRAs and 401ks and life insurance as you just described yeah. are things that we just don't put into a will. Right. We just don't like these are things that non probate that whatever my IRA says. So Curtis and I are going through where we have a new relationship with a client. We're getting things open and we open up a new account. All right. Say Sally or Bob or or Nicole. Hey, you know, who do you want to be the beneficiary of your IRA? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, so that question comes up right in the account opening, which is just this big estate planning question, especially where we have a blended family and we just see enough of like, oh, oh, and then, and then the couple looks at each other like, we haven't really talked about this a little bit, yeah. right? We haven't really thought like, but if I pat, cause it's like, it doesn't go through the will. It's going to be, Hey, Nicole, you pass away. Yes. It goes to your spouse, maybe in that situation. Right. But then if maybe your spouse, if Nicole, if you then maybe predecease your spouse, then where does it go as contingency and thinking all that through and having that conversation? So again, we we just been in that meeting with enough of our clients and they look at each other and they go, you know, haven't really thought through that a little bit. So so I guess my question to you is how do you how do you kind of counsel people or maybe as you said, you're not really running that situation, but maybe how would you think through this a little bit? Because these are things that they're not just in a will that says, Hey, assets go from me to spouse to then here. It's these are these are direct decisions that have to be made in each of these different situations. So how would you think through that? You know, I I don't as I said, I don't discuss any of the financial aspects with my clients because they come to me with other pressing issues. And I think mine, well, I know mine are already intact because of my businesses and they have to be um, because of what my husband and I do. Like his, his partner is an insurance agent. <laughs> so <laughs> we have to have everything. <laughs> we have to have everything in order. And because I am certified through the state um, as MBE, WMBE, um, I have to, I had to have all of that in order, mm-hmm. in order for me to be certified. But my clients have never, ever talked to me about any of their financial obligations or life insurances or anything like that, because they're too worried about just stopping the arguing yeah. in their household. But if they have, you know, I would definitely tell them, you know, what I have going on and how it would be beneficial to them. Because I've known so many people who have passed away and don't have anything. And I hate to see those people that are on social media asking for, what is it, the the pages where they ask for donations. Uh, like the GoFundMe's and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, the GoFundMe. Yeah. And I think mm. it's really sad when people have to do that because they have not pre-planned because death is inevitable. Right. So, yeah, I would definitely let them know that they have to plan yeah. for it for sure. Well, in, 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 you know, Nicole and I, we've had a lot of estate planners on our show mm-hmm. in previous episodes and we obviously work really closely with a lot of them. So I guess we'll all, I'll throw something out there and just love to hear your reaction to it. But 
you know, we, we kind of always start with this. It's the goal setting of, hey, if we pass, what do we want to have happen, right? What are the values, the family values? And it's like, no, what's important to us is, hey, we, we know there's these three children that really need a head start and want to get into the business. Right. And that's something that's really important to them. So let's make sure the assets we have is something happened that, that would match to those goals because it's important for us to further them. Or And here's the other four children that, you know, they're really into trade, right? And we want to make sure that that they're able to either further the trade, welding, plumbing, whatever they're into, that they so the assets are maybe directly to certain goals of the family and what you want to see accomplished. And, and then I think the assets then fall in line with it is what we've kind of gotten the advice on over time. So yeah. would that be your, your kind of opinion as well? It's exactly. So my goal for setting everything up was for my kids to, to not have to worry about where their next meal was coming from or to set them up uh, to have a really good start in life or to continue to live their life as if I'm still living. Right. Um, hopefully they won't mess over the money <laughs> money that I've left them. Um, they won't go crazy with it and blow it all at once. Um, but I think I have done a good job with um, what I've set out for them. Yeah. Oh, I, and, and I think we'd both agree with that statement. You know, I, I so we've reached kind of the end of our show here, Nicole. We do have one final question for you. So obviously the name of our show is Retirement Success in Maine. I know you mentioned you're in Texas. Um, so we'll just go retirement success for a minute. So how would you define retirement success for yourself? And, you know, I know fast forward to, you know, looking ahead down the road when you get to retirement, how would you define a successful retirement? To not have to pick up a pen, a pencil, or anything and still have money coming in. And, you know, I, I know for a fact that I am going to have some money coming in because I, you know, I put, I have put things in place where I will have some income coming in and I can sit back on a beach on a boat. Um, or hopefully my husband wants a jet. <laughs> All right. All right. And um, I like it. We, yeah. We're, we're going to, we're making that happen. Yeah. Sounds great. That sounds like a very successful retirement. <laughs> <laughs> right. So Nicole, thank you so much for coming on our show. I know, you know, the, our topic about mastering blending families is 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 something where there's there's obviously some minds there there's some things to kind of be mindful of and i think you helped us with a lot of great points so appreciate coming on lending your expertise and we hope to see you again so thanks to nicole odom hardnett again how to master blending your family with your spouse's family yeah and we we see that situation enough and i know so we wanted to seek out somebody that had obviously been through it sure but then kind of counseling somebody and other other kind of couples through it was was the goal of today so i think nicole did a great job kind of walking us through some of the situations that she had seen and mm. uh either from her clients or maybe personally there too uh but i i just i know it's it's something where obviously we're look we're all living longer 
And in this statistically that one of the uh, couples sometimes may pass away and there's a lot of life left to live, which is kind of the point of this show. That's right. So is to kind of be able to go, Hey, if I want to find partnership, if I want to kind of find love again, and then do that in a way, which obviously leads to another of I've, I've also built a family or friend network or any of those things and blending those things together is, is a challenge. So I, again, I think that was the point today. And I, I think uh, Nicole highlighted the, a few points. One was making sure we're communicating early in the process. That's right. Obviously frequently throughout the process as things is changing. Cause again, we don't always know where things end up. Sure. Sometimes yeah. maybe, maybe the relationship doesn't work, right. but as they do work, we all have different ideas and thoughts through it. And, and I think if we can't resolve them on our own, is that seeking resources like Nicole has created for herself that talk to Nicole and some of her businesses there to kind of help uh, kind of talk through the problems and, and help understand it. So again, I know we kind of talked a little bit on the, the kid side as part of this and, and for obviously for you guys out there, you know, it might be more of the adult children. It might be sure. more grandkids. You know, grandchildren yeah. involved into this and, and making sure I think that, that all of that is, I, I think, I think all of us get a lot of peace and satisfaction from raising our families and creating positive relationships in our families. So is to, to kind of work on that as, as something that is even more of a challenge. And I think Nicole kind of talked us through that too. So I know we have some resources and other things out there on our website. So uh, yeah. Curtis, what, where can people go to find more about uh, how to master uh, blending our families? Yeah, exactly. Um, so as our listeners probably know, we do kind of a website for all of our episodes. So um, this one, all those show notes, the transcript, uh, some more resources, uh, links to Nicole's books, I think will be up there. Um, so you can go to blog.guidancepointllc.com backslash six eight. So this is episode 68 of our show. Um, again, you can find kind of some more info about this conversation itself and some of Nicole's resources, how to kind of see her practices and, and whatnot. But yeah. And I know I mentioned in the show today too that it, I, I think I said sixty nine because I was thinking it's like, hey, I think we're getting close to sixty nine. Yeah. It actually is sixty eight. Yeah. So when you go to the website, and as Curtis said, if you do that backslash six eight, yep. um, so it is sixty eight. So yep. I just want to make sure I, I read that point. If I if I created some confusion there, we really appreciate tuning into our show. I know some of these situations you might run into or you might not, um, but uh, always appreciate you tuning in. I hope you got something out of today's show and we will catch you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just listened to an information filled episode of the retirement success in Maine podcast. While this show is about finding more ways to improve your retirement happiness, Guidance Point Advisors mission is to help our clients create a fulfilling retirement. We do financial planning so that people can enjoy retirement and align their monetary resources to their goals. If you're wondering about your own personal success, we invite you to reach out to us to schedule a 45-minute listening session. Our advisors will have a conversation with you about your goals, your frustrations, and your problems. Make sure you check out Guidance Point Advisors on our blog, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can always check out more episodes of this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. And of course, keep on finding your retirement success.